Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Scopophilia. We are the millennial movement. And I, of course, am your host, Becky Teller, back at you again with another movie. Now, by the time you're listening to this, unfortunately, St. Patrick's Day will be over. And that's okay, because for me, St. Patrick's Day will be all week and into the weekend. So, like me, just pretend it's still St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody! (laughs) This week, we had some scheduling conflicts, a little bit of stress on my part. Um, All, you know, comes with the territory of doing the show, which everything worked out in the end, because this week we have our first returning guest, which is Jessica Hagen. Now, if the name sounds familiar and the voice sounds familiar, you may remember him from season one uh, when he came on and talked about his favorite film, The Avengers. And so this week was a little different. It was a little last minute. And so I had reached out to a couple friends and said, I really want to talk about an Irish movie. I really want to, you know, do something in the vein of of St. Patrick's Day. And so he said, I will be there tomorrow night and we will record this thing. And I was like, amazing. And so we're talking about Boondock Saints today, which in my friend group is a personal favorite, I'd say. Um, Kind of a cult classic, kind of a silly movie, kind of a fun movie, kind of an interesting movie when you think about it. And we're talking with Jesse today and it was an amazing conversation So much is going on with him, and the show has grown so much since he's been on that it was just really fun to see the difference in him, even, from his first interview to now, because you could kind of tell he was a little nervous the first time. But he's very comfortable now that he's back in the studio, and I'll stop talking about it and just let you listen to it, because it is a good time. So, without further ado my interview with Jesse Gahagan about Boondock Saints. Enjoy! Scopophilia is the newest thing to hit the market. Defined as deriving aesthetic pleasure from looking at something, it's the new craze sweeping the nation. Taken in large doses, side effects can include an addictive nature to have more film content. If this increase occurs, consult no one and keep listening. Scopophiliacs, and welcome back to another episode of Scopophilia, the podcast. So excited because we have returning guest Jessica Hagen on. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing well, surviving the pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's been a while since you've been here. This is probably the first interview. It is the first interview I've done in my home, on the couch. We're both wearing masks, very uh, socially conscious of each other. Um, Probably since, definitely since season one, but I'm not sure, like, when in the timeline. (laughs) Oh, I think midway. Yeah, definitely, 100%. (laughs) So, I mean, a lot has happened since you were last here. Yes. You got married. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Finally, after pandemic-related issues. (laughs) Yeah. And, and now you're having a baby. Yes. Which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So happy for you guys. Oh, we are too. <laughs> <laughs> you feeling the stress already? Right? Oh, just a little bit. Like. <laughs> but like in a good way, hopefully. Oh, oh, perfect stress. Yeah, good stress. <laughs> well, that's good. And so we had some scheduling conflicts mm-hmm. on the show. And you were gracious enough to come on, on mm-hmm. in a pinch, a real save, real MVP on the show. <laughs> For sure. And I said, I kind of want to do like an Irish movie because, of course, as we're recording, St. Patrick's Day is tomorrow. Um, But when we air, it will have been on a Wednesday, which, you know. And so you came on and I said, let's do an Irish film. How about Boondock Saints? One of the first times I've kind of picked the movie (laughs) as well on the show. A lot of firsts. And so we're talking Boondock Saints today. And so let's start with like an easy question. What would you say is kind of the shortest synopsis of this movie that you could give? 
I would say it's about two average brothers. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. <laughs> you asked for this. I did. I did. <laughs> it's about your two average brothers in Boston mm-hmm. who come across organized crime and then they have a spiritual epiphany and decide that they're going to clear the world of bad people. Right. And then they set out on a mission. Except there's two sides to this story and it follows the brothers. Mm -hmm. But it also follows the FBI agent who's investigating these crimes Mm -hmm. and tracking them down. Perfect. A little bit longer than I thought I could do that. But (laughs) I wasn't ready for that question. No, it's fine. (laughs) It's totally and accurate. It's Mm -hmm. very short and concise and accurate. And so in our group of friends, there are a lot of people in our group who Mm -hmm. really enjoy this movie. It's kind of a cult classic. Right. So what do you remember what your first experience with this film was? I think it was with our friends. <laughs> and I hadn't seen the movie yet, mm-hmm. but there's so many quotable lines uh-huh. that it was just like, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> right, right. So I had to go watch it. Uh-huh. And I, I watched it on my own and I was just like, this is freaking great. <laughs> and it's it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. No doubt. No doubt. But it is definitely like a bunch of high school students got together with a camera <laughs> And made a movie with an A-lister. Yes. 100%. <laughs> no doubt about it. I was watching it again today just to refresh because mm-hmm. Sean and I always watch it on right. St. Patrick's Day because there's mm-hmm. Irish people in it. It's kind of related, but like... <laughs> yeah, sure. Only in the small, <laughs> smallest <laughs> bit. Um, so I was rewatching it today and I was kind of getting the feeling of like, this is a film... And no shade. I love this movie. Mm-hmm. But this is a film where it looks like a bunch of film students got together mm-hmm. and were like, we're going to make a Quentin Tarantino like nobody <laughs> has ever seen before. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. And in, it's like one of the first scenes where the police are in an alley and the <laughs> police captain starts talking. And I was like, I've done better acting yeah. than that. <laughs> and for the record, I've acted in a small film right. as a police captain. <laughs> And not to give myself too much credit, but I definitely did a better job than that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, I was thinking the same thing when he came on and started doing lines. I was like, ooh, this is worse than I remember it being. <laughs> <laughs> so with, with all that being said, mm-hmm. do you have a favorite part in this movie? Because we'll uh, break it down, but let's start. Let's start there. Uh, probably towards the very beginning. Uh, right after that that crime scene in the alley, they're trying to figure out how to catch these guys. Well, then the guys just turn themselves in. They go right, right. to the police department when the police <laughs> are like, you're never going to find them. No one's going to turn these guys in. And uh, the line was, you'd have better luck uh, dragging a potato down a yeah. string down the road. And then they're just in the back of the police department and say, you'd have better luck with beer. Right. <laughs> and then all the police turn around and there they are. Like, I think that's my favorite part. Yeah. Just, uh, Cause they weren't bad guys. Mm-hmm. So they didn't have fear of going into the police department. Uh, but this is also the point before they decided to murder these people. Right. This was, this was self-defense, this first crime. Right. Right. And then it was a murder spree. Basically. Yeah. And it, it's, <laughs> It's an interesting movie because it kind of brings up the moral dilemma, which Mm -hmm. at the end they have all the like, quote unquote, street, street, street interviews, (laughs) all the street interviews of Mm -hmm. people who are like, you know, oh, what do you think of these people? They're, you know, killing mobsters and and drug dealers and all this Mm -hmm. stuff. And it's very divided. And I think there's definitely a moral question of like, okay, we can't seem to get these people behind Mm -hmm. bars. Is this a better solution? And I, I feel like it could go either way, you know? Right. And I, I think I think truly with your common, you know, a, a petty criminal, mm-hmm. probably not best to just pull a shotgun <laughs> on them. Right. But maybe with organized crime where, you know, there are systems that are corrupt and mm-hmm. it, it's well documented that we can't get these people in bar like behind bars. And then if they do, you can't keep them there. So maybe you do need to catch them in an alley. Yeah. But. Maybe. I didn't say that for the record. If there's any organized criminals that listen in. Right. It, it was a, an opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting because I feel like there's so many, at least you see in TV, there's so many cases where it's like they mm-hmm. get out on a legal loophole or they're right. out on bond and you can't get them on anything else. And mm-hmm. then, and even 
I think it's Capone was like tax evasion or like yeah. money laundering or something. Like mm-hmm. that's how they got him. It wasn't right. on anything else that he yeah. did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's an interesting movie in that way. But a hundred percent the acting is a little cheesy. Mm-hmm. I feel like Norman Reedus cannot keep an Irish accent the whole time. <laughs> and he's the one that I believe was the most Irish right? of the actors. <laughs> Hundred <laughs> because like i think sean patrick flannery does a pretty good job yeah it's it's a little in and out and you can almost right. kind of give them a pass because it's like how long have they lived in the states maybe right. their accent is starting to yeah. fade but <laughs> well i love absolutely love their dynamic in the film you can tell that these two people who are up there are are best friends yeah. if not brothers and even to this day, they still maintain that relationship off screen. Right. And and you can tell watching them that they're having a good time and they might not be doing the best job, but they're definitely having a good time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. They have undeniable chemistry. Mm-hmm. I will say they kind of, and tell me if you kind of sniffed on this as well, they kind of have like a too close of a relationship. I'll say it that way. The chemistry didn't seem like brothers, if that's what you're putting down. Sometimes, a little bit. Sometimes it was like, this is a little more than brothers. Yeah, super close. Very, very close. (laughs) (laughs) And like, not not that there's anything wrong with if the movie were that instead of brothers, if it was like they were lovers. Right. It would have been basically the same for me. They are twin brothers in the film. Right. (laughs) So so I'm on board with you. I just think to that scene where um, they just got back from the shootout and they're like ironing all of their bullet wounds so mm-hmm. that they can keep going. And there's, I, yeah. I thought the same thing when I watched that and he's like cradling him. Yeah, it's Norman Reedus. He's right. holding Sean Patrick Flannery and like rather than it being like looking like intense right. pain, he just reaches around and grabs Norman Reedus' <laughs> head like very right. soft. I, <laughs> And I have to say that my wife doesn't hold me like that. So (laughs) I I, I have to agree with you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's kind of. uh, So Sean was the one who introduced this movie Mm -hmm. to me. Of course, I had never heard of it. And he was like, I love this movie. Like, let's watch it. And I was like, sure. Like, I'm always down to watch a movie. This was like year one of the relationship. Okay. And I remember watching it the first time. And the first time I couldn't remember anybody's names. And it was kind of hard for me to figure out, like, Mm -hmm. what they're actually doing. Because it's a lot of, like, show don't tell. Right. Cinematography and storytelling, which, like, I'm Mm -hmm. all for. But it was a little confusing the first time. And then... As the years went on, I feel like I'm starting to see more and more of it. And it's pretty crazy. Like, it's a pretty crazy um, thing that Troy Duffy has pulled together. (laughs) (laughs) Then followed by a sequel. And then followed by a maybe TV show that will come out at some point in time. But who knows? (laughs) I I had to look it up after I watched it last night because... uh, I was curious, and mm-hmm. everybody always talks about the the third one, right? Um, and if you check Wikipedia, it just says in production since 2015, right? But but no status on <laughs> where that's going, right? Uh, I do have to say, after the second one, uh, let's just kind of hope that there isn't a third one. Yeah, leave sleeping dogs lie, maybe. Yeah, there was. In, yeah, I had such high hopes for the second. The production right. value of the second one was so. Mm-hmm beautiful and like the camera was really clear so Mm -hmm. i was like i get it like amazing you got funding but the story was just kind of lacking for me (laughs) well it was almost shot for shot the first movie yeah with with i think worse acting (laughs) well without willem dafoe right for sure was um it was like they teased Mm -hmm. that he was in it like a little bit right but other than that (laughs) well and you know they tried to make it a whole big thing with like oh, this is going global. And it's like, that's not what we signed up for. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so let's let's talk about Will, Willem Dafoe mm-hmm. because he's 100% my favorite part of this film, I think. <laughs> Other than the scene when they're in the jail and they like wake up at the same time, they're both shirtless. Like <laughs> that holds a place in my heart. But Willem Dafoe otherwise is... <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
But I, I have to agree with you. Uh, Willem Dafoe is probably the best part of this movie. He, yeah. He literally just picked it up like a crying child and carried it home. Like, uh, and him just playing this like incredibly intelligent detective with like different layers that mm-hmm. uh, you don't pick up on them sometimes because he's so such a complicated character. Yeah. Um, and you're just so uh, fascinated every time he's on screen and just describing things. And it's like. Wow, it's like you want to know more about this person. Yeah. And uh sometimes you get that and sometimes you don't. It's one of those things that you just get left hanging on. Mm-hmm. Uh but you love it either way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just never know where the performance is gonna go. And mm-hmm. one of the things I love about the performance so much is that every time he's at a crime scene, he gets more and more disheveled. Mm-hmm. So that by the time you're at the firefight, he's yeah. like his tie is right. like around his waist and his shirt mm-hmm. is open, his hair right. is a mess, and it's like clearly he is at the end of his mm-hmm. rope, but like still doing a good job. Yeah. Well, you notice that as it goes, but the one thing, and every time you watch this movie, you notice something new. Right. Uh, for the first time last night when I watched it, um, I noticed that every time he's describing a crime scene, uh, he's getting closer to them. Mm. And so by the time he gets to the firefight, they're showing what happened during this firefight with him right there. Right. In the previous ones, it's like recaps. That, yeah. But they show them in such a unique way. It's like. Look, he's getting closer and closer to his person that Ooh, he's investigating. That's true. And I didn't notice that until this was probably my eighth time watching this movie. <laughs> right. But it's like, wow, that was a subtle hint. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny. I didn't even realize that until you're mm. saying it. It's like the first time it's like a step behind almost. Right. And yes. then by the end, he's in it. Right. The first crime scene, he explains to the audience what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't show actually what happened until uh, the brothers explain to him. Right. They show the recap through their eyes. Right. The next crime scene was, I think, at the um, the porno booth. No, the hotel. Oh, it was the hotel. Yeah, yeah, with the rope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with the rope. And he explained what happened, and they show it. Mm-hmm. And then it was the same thing with the, the porno booth, but a little bit closer to yeah. how he said it happened. But then by the final crime scene, he's actually there. Yeah. Like, and it's just this big operatic battle (laughs) with him shooting his gun in the air. Right. (laughs) He's so in it. So intense. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Unbelievably intense. And it, it is interesting because like the violence in this movie is pretty intense. Like not sugarcoating it at all. Right. There's a lot of blood in this movie. Mm -hmm. And which is funny because in the beginning, it's kind of light and airy and yeah. and it's it's Willem Dafoe doing all these like fun lines like, right. you know, oh, well, since Greenlee is getting coffee, you know, we can <laughs> yeah. talk about the scene since he's going to get coffee. Does anybody want anything? Right. One of my favorites is when he's like, go get me a cup of coffee. And he's like, I'm not getting you coffee. And he goes, <laughs> cafe latte, twist a lemon, sweet and low. And, like, Greenlee is very much like, no, I'm not doing it. And then he yeah. ends up doing it. Right. <laughs> anyway. They show the next shot with him holding a cup of right. coffee. <laughs> yeah. 100%. I feel something big here. I'm be surprised to see a lot of these turning up. Brilliant. So now we got a huge guy theory and a serial crusher theory. Top notch. What's your name? Detective Greenlee. Who the fuck are you? That's who the fuck I am. Listen, I gotta do this by the numbers. ID just came back on these guys. They got connections with the Russian mob. That makes it a federal matter. And Agent Smecker here is heading up the investigation with our full cooperation. Why don't you get me a cup of coffee? Who the hell is it? Cafe latte. What the fuck? Twist the lemon. Chief, what the fuck is this? Sweet and low. So good. Well, and I love that they they portray the other detectives as as idiots almost mm-hmm. when they're around him. Uh, but they also do little things to show, hey, they are also good detectives. Mm-hmm. Uh, within the first minute of them being around him, uh, which Willem Dafoe, Willem Dafoe portrays a, a gay person in this film. Yeah. But he's not overtly like out. Yeah. But they were able to, to figure it out within a minute of meeting right. him. Like just to kind of show that they they're intuitive as well. Yeah. But he's a lot better. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> That's why he's there. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, and I, I, I'm glad you brought up the 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 gay element of mm-hmm. his character because that was one of the things when I first watched it that I really em- enjoyed mm-hmm. because Willem Dafoe could have very easily done like a very flamboyant gay right. character, and there are moments of that where he's like a little more dramatic. Mm-hmm. I'll yeah. say. <laughs> But it's it's very much an afterthought of who right. he is as a as a person and right. as a character, which I just think that's lovely. <laughs> yeah, he was a very successful detective. Yeah, who happened to be gay. Yeah, in a uh, a field that's dominated by straight people mm-hmm. who, and especially at the time that this film came out, was very oppressive of gay members in their organization. Yeah, yeah. and I think he just did a really good job portraying it. Yeah, hundred mm-hmm. percent. I just. And, like, even when he does drag towards the end to, like, right. help the brothers out, it's so, it's, I, in my mind, I think it's, it's tasteful mm-hmm. because he's, it's not that he's gay that he's doing that. He's, right. he's just trying to find a way in. Right. And this is the only way he can think of. And then it mm-hmm. ends up saving his life. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is kind of a fun little plot twist of, like, right. oh, well, El Duce doesn't kill women or children. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that Willem Dafoe right. is dressed in drag at the time and, like, is safe. And is only seen from behind. Right. So it's like, oh, well, you wouldn't have known. Right. But right. It, it was one of those things that just seemed like such a throwaway line when they said, like, oh, he doesn't he doesn't deal with anything that has to do with women and children. And then... yeah. You're, like, worried for Willem Dafoe, and it's like, boom, oh, he's safe. <laughs> oh, he's safe. Yeah, it, 100% throwaway line. And right. something that, like, the first couple times I didn't quite get. And it's like, oh, right, that's that's the point of the line is that right. he doesn't kill women. Oh, what a fun <laughs> time. <laughs> so I'm trying to think of other parts of this movie that I really enjoy. And so I think, I mean, we have to talk about Rocco as a character. <laughs> See, I love and hate Rocco at the yeah, same time. Yeah. Some of his scenes are just, it's like so cringy. Um, even knowing I was coming here today to talk about this film, I had to fast forward the scene where he's talking to his boss in the office with the, oh, yeah. with the guy. And he's just telling this this racist joke. Yeah. Didn't and age well. <laughs> it didn't age well. And even the first time I watched it, probably 15 years ago, it was like... It's rough to watch. Yeah. And today it's just like, oh, they're going to cancel me just for watching this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I was like, okay, skip. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, I I thought the same thing. I was like, ooh, like, I remember this being rough, but like, ooh. Um, And on one hand, I get it because he's dealing with a mob boss Mm -hmm. who's very stuck in his ways and just does whatever he wants. And this other guy who's just awful basically right, just, just a creep just a creep in yeah. general so like i understand he's like telling a joke that he thinks will make this audience laugh right. but it's like we could have picked another one i feel like we could have picked another joke <laughs> we can do better <laughs> we can do better right oh man but i just thought it was so expertly done in the sense that like it sets you on edge anytime you see these people in the future. Yeah. Not necessarily Rocco, because you can see that guy is in pain just kind of sitting in this situation. Yeah. And he doesn't want to be there. Right. And then they <laughs> they say, hey, you're funny. Tell us a joke, funny man. Right. And he's like, oh, I, I guess I know one. <laughs> like, but still, it's like, nah, I can't watch this again. Right. <laughs> I've seen it a few times. I'm done with this part. Yeah. And even by the end, he's like, oh, th- oh, thank God. Like, they right. laughed at the joke. And he says, tell yeah. me another one. He goes, what? That's <laughs> <laughs> the cut scene. Because, <laughs> right. yeah. like, he's, it's immediate on his face of, like, okay, I pulled that one out of nowhere. Right. Uh, what am I going <laughs> to do next? <laughs> I'm glad we didn't have to sit through another joke, at least. Like, <laughs> exactly. I will say that one of the lines that I think I quote, there's two lines that I quote most in this movie, and one is catch you on the flip side, mm-hmm. usually when I'm getting off the phone with Sean. <laughs> and the other one is, uh, where you going? Nowhere. Especially with drunk Sean. Where oh, are you going? Nowhere. Nowhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because he'll go on adventures and all. You have, to, right. you have to be like, where you going? Nowhere. Which, funny enough, is the reason that I saw this movie is because that's one of the lines that they just always quoted back and forth to each other. (laughs) It's like, what are you talking about? They're like, nowhere. Right. (laughs) 
Okay. <laughs> yeah. Between that and um, what's the symbology here? Sean says that all the time, mm-hmm. even still. <laughs> I think what you meant was symbolism. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, is, he's the closest to Willem Dafoe's character in this movie <laughs> of anyone I know. Uh and it's just all the time getting corrected with this quote. And it's just like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> we get it. Great movie. Thank right. you. Right. <laughs> oh, man. But there is a lot of symbolism in this movie mm-hmm. in terms of how these brothers like. Because, okay, so like we've said, the first the first killing is an kind of self-defense. Right. Kind of an accident, kind of like we got to get out of here. This is the only yeah. way I know how. The second one is they take out nine mob members, like mm-hmm. high standing mob right. members, and then go into this ritual to like mm-hmm. almost cleanse themselves for doing it. Of like, right. we did kill you, but we will pay your way for the ferryman to take you yeah. <laughs> to the underworld or whatever. Right. And I think that's really interesting of like, it's very Catholic, I'll say. Right. But they had, I don't even know if it's Catholic or just like their own subset of hyper cult religion. Yeah. That, you know, the the prayer that they say before they kill someone is is a family prayer. Yeah. But it is incredibly dark that they're like, oh, we're going to, like, flow a, fo- a river forth of blood right. for you. Like, yeah. it's like, for who? I know. No one asked. Which God asked for this blood? hundred <laughs> percent. Right. So I, I, it's definitely, for them, a religious thing to do. And, mm-hmm. and it gets kicked off with the very first scene, the, the priest that they have talking about how a woman was murdered, which is actually a, a real life yeah. event that this woman was murdered and screaming in the street mm-hmm. and all these people heard, but nobody did anything. Right. And so, you know, they see this crime that's happening at their friend's bar mm-hmm. and they intervene and beat these guys up. Well, the guys go to get revenge and uh, that was the self-defense murder yeah. in the alley. Yeah. But I, I, we got here from religion. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it kind of sets us up that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of like, I mean, because even like the, I think the hard hitting line in that first um, scene when they're in church mm-hmm. is the father priest. Mm-hmm. I guess priest um, is. I should know this. <laughs> <laughs> the priest is saying uh, towards the end, um, the worst thing is the indifference of good mm-hmm. men. Right. And that's kind of the catalyst for the movie because they even say like, oh, Monsieur's finally getting it. Mm-hmm. Like now he's finally understanding right. that like there's crime on the street and we need to do something about mm-hmm. it. I don't think this is necessarily what he meant, but. Definitely not. <laughs> I think he meant turn them in. Right. Call the police. <laughs> right. <laughs> they decided to go out and get guns. Yeah. <laughs> Deal yeah. with it. Um. But it's hard to rewatch the film and not see other things in play. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, every time these guys kill someone, they always take the money. Yeah. If it was truly for, you know, religious reasons or cleaning the streets, why do they keep taking the money? Mm, that's and, a good point. And the they raided the guy's pockets in the alleyway after mm-hmm. they killed him. Then they go to this hotel and rob the guys or, or they kill them all. And then they're like... Oh, look, there's a bag on the counter. I wonder what that is. And then it's more cash. But Mm -hmm. they take that with them. If Mm -hmm. it was all for their their belief systems, um, they they would definitely. Yeah, they wouldn't be taking the cash. Yeah. No, that's true. So I think it was a little bit greed (laughs) involved in this decisions. Yeah. I mean, I'd say so. Mm -hmm. Because they even say, like, I think it's Norman Reedus. He's like, I love our new job. Right. And it's like, okay, so Mm -hmm. you're, you're saying that this is a profession that's going to pay you. Yeah. But also, is your religious belief. So, like, mm-hmm. there is a bit of hypocrisy there. That's right. true. I view the religious um, praying, praying. <laughs> praying, yes. <laughs> yes, the religious praying before they kill people to almost be a shield that mm-hmm. they use to protect themselves and, and relieve themselves of guilt going forward. Like, mm-hmm. hey, we're going to do this, but uh, we're good. Yeah. Like, it's. Because they can't go to confession as a, a normal Catholic would and, mm-hmm. you know, cleanse themselves. 
So they're putting up this wall with this prayer in yeah. advance of like, hey, you know, we're just doing the right thing. Yeah. Like, you won't hurt anybody ever again. Right. Of course not. Well, and it, it is interesting because they go to church at one point, but they don't go mm-hmm. to confession. Mm-hmm. They have that whole scene with Willem Dafoe and the confessional just to like kind right. of field him out, I guess. Well, the funny thing about that was that wasn't them going to church, but Willem Dafoe going to church and Rocco had intended to kill him. So yeah. he followed him to church. Well, they followed Rocco to make sure he didn't kill Willem Dafoe. Right. <laughs> so, And it was a separate church from the one they went to. Right. <laughs> it was just a coincidence that we all wound back up in the church. Yeah. Yeah. Just. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it. You bring up a good point of, like, if they had gone to confession mm-hmm. and said, like, I've murdered, mm-hmm. I've stolen, I've done all of these things, it would be, you know, however many Hail Marys. And it's not like the priest right. could tell the cops because there's that whole thing. Yeah. But there's – it would be, oh, don't do it again <laughs> and here's your penance. Right. But then they would have to do it again. So does that make them bad Catholics? Or – I don't know. Like – there's, there's a philosophical um, question. <laughs> it depends on your interpretation of the Bible. I mean, mm. it, God casts plenty of stones. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> maybe he's cool with it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to say because it's like there's some philosophical mm. religious question in what they're doing and, and a moral question like mm. we were talking about. But it's like, where do you where do you draw the line? <laughs> Usually with murder. I don't <laughs> That's kind of like the hard line. And then there's worse things than murder. But usually that's like the jump off point of like, hey, you've gone really far. Right. We should go back. (laughs) Right. And usually it stops at one. Yeah. Not, I mean, I think they killed 30 people in this. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Because you got the two in the beginning Mm -hmm. and then the nine in the hotel room. Plus the three in the the club. Three in the club. Plus... Maybe that's it. However many were at the um, poker game at the the Hitman's house. Oh, right. That was another six. Yeah. And then... They only killed the one in the courthouse. One in the courthouse. There's got to be a couple others in there. One of the three in the bar. Right. (laughs) And then the cat. And then the cat. I will shoot myself if you can tell me that cat's name. (laughs) What color was it? (laughs) (laughs) I was not expecting that. No. But you don't expect him to shoot the cat to begin with. No. Which, it was a complete accident, but yeah. Uh, and, and then they just kind of use the cat as a joke for the rest of the time. Like they get into this really serious argument out front about how Rocco's life is in danger. And, right. You know, get out of there if you have bad vibes. And he's like, "I'll be back soon. Bury the effing cat." Right. Like, <laughs> it's so. It there's such an interesting like dichotomy going mm-hmm. on with these characters. Because you have kind of two different versions of these brothers. Mm-hmm. Brocco is the same no matter what. Right. But the brothers, you have super serious, taking this very mm-hmm. seriously, even if it's wacky. Yeah. Kind of job that they've put on themselves. But then you mm-hmm. also have, like, these are young guys. Right. Like, they have to be in their early 20s. Mm-hmm. Or, like, mid to early 20s. Right. Because I got that vibe this time of, like, these are young these are young people. Right. It's who, definitely older people portraying younger people. Yeah. And and uh, it, it does come into play that they're twins. They're the same age, the same level of maturity. <laughs> like, these two have clearly been left alone to their own devices right. for long enough, but they're intelligent enough yeah. to not do anything like this before. Right. And then they just kind of go off on their own. Yeah. But they're... They've definitely never grown up, in no. a sense. They're goofy. <laughs> well, and the first scene, they're beating each other with the the slab of oh. meat in the meatpacking <laughs> <Right>. plant. <laughs> no, exactly. And Well, and even just if you look at their apartment, it's two bare mattresses right. on the floor, which that was another moment where I was like, these brothers are too close. <laughs> they have open showers with no curtains mm-hmm. and an open toilet with no stalls. The toilet's just in the middle of the it's room. It's just in the middle of the room. And it's mm-hmm. like... I understand maybe right. they, they don't have money. Right. They're just doing what they can. There's mm-hmm. no super in the building. It's just, I think they're technically illegal tenants. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, mm, we could have put up some sheets or something. <laughs> well, I, I've, I've seen some poor apartments in my life. Right. I've, I've, I live in one now. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> no one is being brought home to this apartment. Right. 
Like these two, they're not finding some girl at a bar and bringing right. them home. That's just not happening. <laughs> no. Something else is happening. <laughs> and I, I think you're on to it. That they're real, real close. They're just a little too comfortable with because each other. Because there weren't even sheets on these beds. No. And they're just sleeping in their boxers. Yeah. Like. Okay. <laughs> Something's happening here. Mm-hmm. A little fishy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. No, 100%. It's just, I find it so interesting watching it now that I've seen mm-hmm. it so many times that it's like the little things like that, like, oh, they the way they live is kind of interesting. The way right. that Sean Patrick Flannery cradles Norman Reedus, mm-hmm. vice versa. The fact that they have the same tattoos on their body. Right. Like, that was a conscious choice that they made. It's a couple's tattoo. It's, yeah, it's like and matching they have several tattoos. Of them. So all of their tattoos are the same. Mm-hmm. All of them. And then even in the second movie, it's like one gets the top half of a crucifix and the other gets the <laughs> bottom half of a crucifix on their back or something, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember what that tattoo is, but I, I know what you mean. And yeah. I, I think one of them's the front of Jesus and the other one's the back. Something like that. It's like not thought out very well. I don't like that you brought this up. <laughs> this The whole topic, I mean, because I didn't notice that before. But things are clicking. Yeah. And it's like the elevator or not elevator roller coaster. And you can just hear it click right. every step. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> just blew it wide open. Right. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to say it's symbology because Symbol- I want to derail this completely and say that <laughs> they are so close because they are the same person. Mm. They are they are both one soul. Mm. And because that's how, they're twins. Because they're twins, but uh, everything they do is the same. I don't think that there's a single point that you see them separate. They're no. always in the same room. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. I like this better than the incest theory. <laughs> Fair. I think that I, I think I'd have to agree with it's you. It's symbology. That's what it is. <laughs> There's no weird brother love. Right. <laughs> so then let me ask you, because I find myself conflicted with this mm-hmm. aspect. Um, the reveal that El Duce is their father. Mm-hmm. How do we feel about that? Lazy writing. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Um, I I don't know. Because <laughs> when you're watching it and you're like, oh, my God, that's the father. Mm. You're like, oh, that's cool. And then afterwards, you're just like, really? Mm. Like, yeah. So the father has been doing this for 30 years or something like that. They said, yeah. oh, he's been in jail for three decades. Right. So we know the two guys are 30 years old. Yeah. Got that. So what? He never met his sons. Yeah, well, that's because the they didn't recognize I... him in the street and exactly. he didn't recognize them. Exactly. They all have the same freaking tattoos on their hand <laughs> and they're not entirely the same. The, the dad has a butterfly and the two boys have words. Yeah. Same color, mm-hmm. which, by the way, you can totally tell it's Sharpie in the one scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll move on. <laughs> um, but OK, so they specifically say that the prayer that they say is something that comes from the family, their father's father. Yeah. So they got it from their father who they never met. Mm-hmm. The tattoos they never mm-hmm. met. Like, Yeah. So I go back and forth on it. I love it, but I hate how it was set up. Yeah. Like, I just kind of wish mm-hmm. it. It's another kind of throwaway thing almost mm-hmm. of like, oh, he doesn't kill them because guess what? He's their father. Right. And and it, he only knows that because they're saying the prayer. Right. And so I was watching it today and I had the same thought of like, okay, if they are his sons, why do they not recognize, like, are there no photos of their father from right. like when they were kids? Like, did mm-hmm. their mother not talk about him or what? And there's a lot of right. unanswered questions that I wish had been mm-hmm. fleshed out a little bit more. <laughs> just, just like yeah. for my peace of mind of like, why did we throw this together is like right. the ending. Because they do team up in the end and are like, yes. oh, we're going to do this forever, mm-hmm. essentially. Right. Well, and they, it's it's when they introduce the father and they're talking about his past that mm-hmm. this is something that he has been doing forever. Mm-hmm. Um, he was killing mobsters before the kids were even born. Right. Um, and they specifically say it. So I think, again, we come back to the, 
symbolism. The symbolism. Of, uh, you know, the, the sons taking after the father and, you know, they become their father, essentially. Mm-hmm. But. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So it's a little weak yeah, in it's, my mind. It's, it's just weak because we didn't get anything, you know. Mm-hmm. If they had shown, like, the boys had a picture of him as a young man in the apartment and you can see, like, the resemblance, maybe. Yeah. You just get nothing. Yeah. And you only see the father twice prior to the end when he shows up. Yeah. And it's like, oh, my God, that's the father. Right. <laughs> I, it could have. I'm not one to imply what could have been better in film. Right. Because it's not my job. <laughs> but I would have enjoyed the end so much better if they decided to team up, not because they're related. Right. Um, But they had the same goal. Yeah. And he he goes into the room, sees that Rocco is dead. The boys are praying over Rocco's body. If he was hired to kill Rocco, the mob boss had no idea that the, the brothers were involved in everything that was going on. Yeah. If he had just walked in and been like, oh, well, the person I was contracted to kill is dead. Mm. Um, but me and these boys are doing the same damn thing. Like, yeah, I'll take them, you yeah. know, bring them under my wing. Like adoptive father. Basically, yeah. But yeah. no. Oh, I'm your father that you never met. Yeah. And uh, we do this together now. <laughs> exactly. Uh. I just wish... I just wish the timeline was a little clearer. Mm-hmm. Because you have these boys who are, I guess, 30. Yeah. But seem younger because I mm-hmm. guess they didn't grow up. <laughs> but you have these boys. The only thing you know about them is that uh, I would assume they're from Ireland because they have mm-hmm. Irish accents right. sometimes. <laughs> and the only other thing we really know is that their mother insisted that they learn multiple languages. Right. And, like, that's really it. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of El Duce... He's been doing this forever. Like, this right. this has always been his job. For some reason, he left Boston to go back to Ireland, hook up with his girlfriend-wife person, mm-hmm. right. got her pregnant, and then went back to Boston? Or I just wish the timeline was a little clearer. <laughs> I don't know. We, we don't know where he was kept in prison. Yeah. Uh, but that looked like not even Supermax. But, like, if Supermax had a secret Supermax prison, yeah. that's where he was with, arm, like, eight armed guards on this one person at all times <laughs> while he's in chains in the center of a room. Like, you know what it reminded me of? Mm. The scene from Kung Fu Panda where Tai Lung is in a basement <laughs> and there's crossbows on him. And he's got chains. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is cool. Right. Like, <laughs> maybe that was the inspiration for Kung Fu Panda's prison. Probably. Probably. <laughs> but I mean, even that is... Right. So funny because he has like eight people mm-hmm. with guns drawn on him in yeah. chains in a cage in like there's this right. whole production of it. And then he gets parole. Yeah, well, it was. Do we really think he's safe enough <laughs> if this is the guarding? No, I, I took that as the point. Yeah, the, the system is so corrupt that mm. this mob boss decided, hey, I need this really bad guy out of prison. Yeah, and he he bribed someone or somewhere to get him out when he wanted him out. Right. I don't think it was just a coincidence and timing that like, hey, this guy's out of prison. Like, right. <laughs> it was just a, another bit of commentary on the system being so broken that these two guys have to step in and yeah, clean it. Yeah. It's just an interesting movie mm-hmm. because on one hand, there's all these things that we've been kind of laughing about of like, you know, the acting isn't super great. Right. And some of the story writing is a little lazy, but like there's a lot of hard hitting mm-hmm. moral things in this movie about the justice system, about right. the moral code of like killing bad people and like religion mm-hmm. and like all these other right. things. And like. It's interesting because I feel like I've watched it so many times now that, like, there's a nostalgia to it. And, like, maybe yeah. that's probably why I keep watching it. Right. <laughs> uh, definitely. I, I think, you know, there are so many undertones of, like, look, these people are left on their own. Look how they live. These are definitely the poorer people of society. And this mm-hmm. is kind of their reality until the point where they broke. Yeah. You know, like... Uh, these two guys, they were really good guys. You know, they had jobs. They were just hanging out with their friends at one point when these guys showed up at a bar and decided, like, no, we own this now. Yeah. Um, And it was because they were organized crime that they came in and bullied some old guy who he- clearly had some issues. And yeah, they were going to shut down his business. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, screw that. Yeah. So they beat up these guys and then it became self-defense. And they're like, why don't we do that? Like, right. let's fix everything. Yeah. Because they do get a page when they get out of prison of like, hey, this is where all the mob bosses are going to be tonight. Like, make sure you're there. 
They didn't have to go. Right. They didn't have to do that. They well, could have, like, walked off and been like, right. no, nope, we're done. And for them, that was kind of the sign. Because yeah. they, they do wake up simultaneously in the middle of the night with a religious moment. <laughs> right. But top, that, top scene for me, right? as, as we've discussed. <laughs> Girl, you ain't wrong. Um, <laughs> and they did the full, like, Carmen Electra, like, back arch and everything. Oh, like yeah. hundred percent. With the water was... dripping down. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I got you. Um... But then they get this this validation of, I, and I think that's the point. Is every step along the way, they get more validation. Mm-hmm. You know, they they kill these two underlings in the the Russian mob. Yeah, they get a little bit of cash. Yeah, then they kill all the mob bosses and they get a lot of cash. And, and so, like, they're just getting this validation, and they th- they feel like it's coming from God every step of the way. Yeah, which is how really bad things have happened in the world and throughout <laughs> history. Is like God's on our side. Look at that. We can keep doing this. Like, right. People just interpret the signs as they feel. Right. And, and you know, like, it's cool. Let's go. Because yeah. <laughs> that, that is kind of interesting of, like, it, it, it just goes well for them every mm-hmm. single time. And, right. like, it, totally lost my train of thought. It's fine. <laughs> that whole scene. Oh, because Willem Dafoe, that's what it was. So, like, things are going well for them. And mm-hmm. Willem Dafoe is, like, looking at all the mob bosses that have been killed. Right. And is like, this could be the start of our first ever international mob mm-hmm. war because right. of all the dossiers I have on these people. Right. And it's not that. It's two Irish boys who are like, let's clean up the streets. Right. <laughs> but I think I think that was a little bit of commentary on, you know, they're validated in their minds, mm-hmm. but they're not seeing their own consequences. Because truly, if they kill nine Russian mob bosses, what do you think is going to happen? They're going to be like, oh, I guess we're done in Boston. Yeah. No, they're going to send a lot more people to flood the streets and cause a lot more crime because they're thinking like the Italians or someone is like picking them off. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's how mob wars have started. Yeah. And granted, mob wars are typically, you know, underground. Right. But (laughs) it seems like the neighborhood that they're in is so bad. Yeah. It's definitely going to be above the board. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah. I I think that's just something that they don't cover, but they do tell you. And it, that's part of the best best part of the script is like you're learning like, look, they are doing some bad stuff that's going to cause a lot of problems. But to them, they're like, oh, this is great. We're cleaning up the streets. Yeah. Well, and I do love the story device that they use throughout the movie mm-hmm. of like after not the first crime scene, but most of the rest of the crime scenes, there's a news report of like. <laughs> Standing outside this bar in, Mm. you know, South Boston, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, it's incorporating that there's a real world element to it, which I really appreciate. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you're totally right. It's just like, this is how mob wars start. And then you have these three young kids who are like, yeah, we can do whatever (laughs) we want with no consequence. At one point, they're like, we could kill everybody. Like. It's like, everybody. Yeah, like, let's, let's pump the brakes I, there. I love that he says that and then literally makes a mistake at the next scene. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I know everything. I know their habits and everything. And it's like, boom, they show up at the the poker game. Yeah. And it's like, mm, that didn't work out for you. <laughs> me, me, I'm the guy. I know everyone, their habits, who they hang out with, who they talk to. I got phone numbers, addresses. I know who they're fucking. I know where they live. We could kill everyone. He's not here. <laughs> right. Oops, I made a mistake. <laughs> yeah. And then they step outside and then there's their, their father that they don't know yet. Yeah. With six guns. Yeah. And and one man with six guns is a bit ridiculous. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> if, you, if you can't do it with two. Right. You got a problem. Right. <laughs> oh, man. He was rusty. A That's little, the, yeah. He was three decades in prison. He hadn't held a gun in a while. Yeah. He was rusty. He was really enthusiastic about holding yeah. guns. <laughs> he just <laughs> couldn't pick. It's, it's like <laughs> when you're picking out your purse before you go out. And you're like, I don't know which one to bring. I'm bringing them all. Like, exactly. Exactly. I can't just pick one accessory. We have to right. do all of the accessories. <laughs> That's going to be, be me when quarantine ends. <laughs> and, damn, if he wasn't accessorized. Oh, He 100%. had the trench coat. The little hat. The belt. The belt? Mm. <laughs> he was fashionable. He was fashionable. And those guns matched his outfit. They did. Every single one of them. Those, Gotta give him credit. Those little tiny glasses and a stogie to, <laughs> to really finish off the look. <laughs> you knew he was serious yeah. when he showed up. Yeah. yeah. He meant business. 
talking about business. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a fun movie. And I think that's right. why it has, like, such a big cult following, mm-hmm. I guess is the best way to say it. But, yeah. like, I think it's kind of fun to look at this film that, like, I really enjoy. Right. But also thinking about it critically of, like, obviously there yeah. are things about this film that could have been better if, right. you know, if, 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 if. But I, I don't know because, I mean, typically with any given movie, the best thing you can do is throw money at it. Yeah. And, and that improves it. This is one of the ones that proves that that's not how <laughs> right. it works. Because you have Boondock Saints 1, mm-hmm. which is a good film. There's problems, but it's good. Yeah. And then you have Boondock Saints 2. <laughs> Electric <which> had- Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> Got you there. You you got me. <laughs> you hit me. <laughs> so the, the the first one, it, it had like a budget of like three million dollars, and mm-hmm. it made fifty thousand dollars at the box office. Yeah, technically a, a critical failure. Yeah. Um, but did so well on VHS and DVD that it becomes a cult classic. And then you have the second one, which I don't have the specific numbers for. Right. But I can tell you, as a fan of the first one, <laughs> it's a flop. Yeah. But it had more money thrown at it. Oh, 100%. I, and I was working in theaters when it came out, and it's a flop. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of ticket purchases that day. <laughs> the first day there were. Yeah. And then people heard from their friends how bad it was. Right. <laughs> Just and, wait for the DVD to come out. Like, right. it's not. <laughs> you, you're going to get that one on Redbox, sweetie. Right. Trust me. <laughs> Back when you could uh, order DVDs on Netflix or whatever. That's how I saw the first one. Hey! It came through Netflix DVD. <laughs> In the mail. Yes. yes. I had to wait three days. <laughs> but I saw it at home. <laughs> oh, man. The olden days. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. What else can we say about this film? Oh... <laughs> I don't want to beat a dead horse. <laughs> um, I do. I do appreciate that there is a gap in in the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, after Rocco dies, they side with their father, um, and they're going to go to the courthouse. Mm-hmm. There's a three month break in the time that Rocco was murdered. The other people are dead in the house. Yeah, and he's indicted. Mm-hmm. Um, the police actually think that the the mob boss is the one who's been killing everybody. Like, yeah. he sent Rocco to go do it all. Right. And they don't specifically mention that, but they say 17 people. Well, the brothers killed 17 people. So. Right. <laughs> so, the numbers add up. The, the math's there. Right. You're going to have to trust me on it. <laughs> um, so he he's on trial. Um, they wouldn't have been able to, oh, excuse me, pull it off. If the te- te- the detectives that were trying to catch them didn't help them. Yeah. Um, all of the detectives were there. Like, the one pulls the fire alarm to get other people out of the building and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so, in the end, the police that were trying to catch them realized, like, the error of their way. And we don't get to see that. Mm. Um, how they got there. Like, did the FBI agent Willem Dafoe convince them, like, look, what we're doing isn't working. And yeah. Um, what they're doing is and stuff like that. So I was, I've always been curious about that. Like how they got these other police detectives on the side, on their side. Yeah. Um, because Willem Dafoe, he's, he joins them also because he believes he's had a religious epiphany mm-hmm. about it. And that's why he winds up, winds up in church. And he says like, he says to the priest, he's like, I'm not a religious person. I don't like religion. Right. Like, <laughs> but he's like, I think God wants me to help them. Yeah. And so that's why he joins them. But I, I don't know if that's how he convinced the other people, too. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I'm curious about that. That's a fair point. Well, and especially because of that gap mm-hmm. and because they weren't really involved other than trying to solve what happened right. and doing not that great a job of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like learning from Lil- Willem Dafoe. Mm-hmm. And even in the second one, they're still trying to help the brothers, like, when they right. come back to America. And it, it is an interesting question of, like, okay, where where was the bridge right. between those two things? And you, that's true. You don't really get to see why yeah. they were, like, like, maybe it's something about the mob boss who, like, they just can't get anything to stick. Mm-hmm. Like, he's 
he's been indicted so many times that like maybe they're fed up or yeah, it'd be interesting right. to see what the story there is as well for some color. Yeah, just <laughs> a little flavor. It's like completing the puzzle and just leaving one piece out. Yeah. And I I need that last piece. Yeah. <laughs> it's a corner piece. I I yeah. need it. Yeah. Yeah, I think this movie is a is a decent puzzle, mm-hmm. but it's definitely missing like some very obvious pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's just very clear that uh, some of the people that they brought into this were definitely like pulled off the street. They're like, "Do you fit in this costume? <laughs> Come here!" And especially the uh, the news interviews at the end of the film, yeah. they're definitely talking to like random people. Yeah, and it's like. This is what we want. We want you to say, and like people are like, I can't believe you say that. Right. Like, <laughs> no, your mom is watching. You can't say that. <laughs> right. That was better acting than yeah. when we got in the film. <laughs> you delivered the line better than the person who delivered it in the movie. Just throwing that out there. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be here all week. <laughs> so then, let me ask, kind of slightly off topic. So like, okay. there are. I'd say three or four films that I watch mm-hmm. on on and or around St. Patrick's Day. Okay. Do you have any films that you watch around St. Patrick's Day? Because you're Irish, are you not? I, I am Irish. Um, <laughs> so my St. Patrick's Day tradition has changed in recent years. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, <laughs> I cannot, for legal reasons, say I've quit drinking. <laughs> but I spend more of them sober. Mm-hmm. So, no, I usually try and work because mm-hmm. for me, and for the most part, if I'm working, I can stay out of trouble. Right. <laughs> um. So I don't have a specific one. I try to watch Leprechaun mm-hmm. in March. <laughs> um, That's a crazy movie. It, first of all, I saw it the first time when I was a child. It <laughs> terrifies me. Yeah, I bet. Like... The leprechaun murdered a man with a, a pogo stick. And do you know what I got later that year? A freaking pogo stick. <laughs> and not just I got a pogo stick, but my brother and I are very close in age, so my brother got one. And he looks like a leprechaun. <laughs> so, yeah, that was... <laughs> it's rough. Not a great time. No, it, it wasn't. <laughs> but uh, I do enjoy the film. Mm. <laughs> um, and I'll I'll typically watch Boondock Saints around St. Patty's Day. Yeah. Um, I I wouldn't say I have a standard mm. St. Patty's Day film because, like I said, I usually drink. Right. <laughs> I've heard the stories. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm not proud of it. Right. <laughs> I said I try to change things. Yeah, and you have. I'm doing my best. <laughs> One. One day at a time, man. <laughs> I, I can tell you what actually changed it, besides, you know, dying that one year. Um, <laughs> my wife. <laughs> since I met her, I haven't gone out on a St. Patty's Day. Mm, she's been a good influence on you. Yeah, we can say that. <laughs> we can say it without lying, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't mean it. He doesn't mean it, lady. I love you, baby. <laughs> Well, Jesse, thanks for coming on the show. I know it was last minute, but it's been a joy. Oh, I love as coming always, on. As always a joy. Uh, I'll be back for season three. Okay. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll set it up. Next obscure holiday you got for season three, <laughs> I'm in. I love it. You can pick that movie, too. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of opportunities. No, I, I, think, I think there's a tree horror movie for Arbor Day, if oh, we can get that one in there. I'm on it. We'll set it up. (laughs) Another huge thanks to Jesse for coming on the show last minute and being a total MVP and also talking about a movie that is really interesting and fun. And I just had a great time, essentially. That's what it boils down to about Boondock Saints, which it's one of the films that my fiance had introduced me to when we were first going out. And so it holds a special place in my heart, um, you know, for all it is. (laughs) Now, if you liked this episode, you have a couple options. Option one, go ahead and re-listen to all of our episodes, rate, review, and subscribe the show. It always helps us out a lot. We love hearing from you. Uh, Option two, 
if you have already listened to all of the episodes and you just want more film content, you can follow us on Instagram at scopophilia underscore podcast and also on TikTok at scopophilia the podcast. And since you're already on the internet, go ahead and tell your friends, your family, your family of friends, your friends of family about the show and get them listening too because we want them in the discussion as well. As always, I'm your host, Becky Teller, leading the millennial movie movement here on Scopophilia. And I'll see you all next Friday. Bye!